You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. I am here with Ken, Jeff, and Matt. How is it going, guys? Good day. Second recording of Fair 20... Morrow. It's Fair Morrow, yeah. Second recording of 2021. Matt, are you feeling any differently than last week? Last week, yes. Uh, it's been a big change. I've made some real changes in my life, and I'm just really looking forward to starting that out. I see your hair has grown in even more since last week. <laughs> yes, a full, luscious head of hair over here. Is that David Hasselhoff or is that Matt? <laughs> I don't know. He speak, he's speaking in German quite a bit, so it must be David Hasselhoff. Mm-hmm. Guten Tag. Uh, well, we're, we're really excited here because today is, uh, as Jeff called it before we started recording, the reimagining. Was that reimagining? Reimagining. The reimagining. So uh, last week you heard Ken and Matt uh, take on me and Jeff in a game to uh, settle the score once and for all, but we're going to go best two out of three today. We're going one more. One more. Just for all for old times, all, for, just for old Langsine, as they said. Like once and for all, but there's only four of us, so I imagine this this matchup will happen again. Yeah, but my <laughs> so. obsession with the matchup will end. To, if we lose, it'll end today. If we win, it'll continue. <laughs> but yeah. if we lose, my obsession will end, and I'll just admit that we're not wanna, a very good team. I sort of want to see you guys win, just because obsessed Ken is is great. Well, if they grease our pockets a little bit, maybe uh, we'll take a fall, as they I say. I mean, since my obsession began, we're like one in five, I think. Yeah, it hasn't been good. It's not been good. Well, who's going to be asking us these questions? Well, thank you, Matt. Actually, I I was going to give you a segue, but you uh, returned the segue back to me fully charged. And uh, our host today is a savage superstar on Patreon. We thank her for that. Uh, She's been on the show before, and we're very happy to have her back. And that's Jane Carmichael. How's it going, Jane? Great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, We were talking before the recording about uh, just how wonderful uh, the projects that you work on uh, turn out uh, as far as woodworking and uh, renovations and everything like that. So have you been working on anything recently? Yes. As a matter of fact, I built a table today. And it's uh, a dining if, table. If that is the table behind you, um, <laughs> it, is it going for, is that right, $5,000 MSRP? <laughs> Inflation, I'm telling you. This is what happens when you give people, you raise the minimum wage, tables cost $5,000. Let it be known that Matt is against a living wage. <laughs> For the record, yes. Yeah, it's actually, um, it's my dream to just sell overpriced furniture like at West Elm. So <laughs> one of these days, 
you know, you'll see it. It'll, <laughs> it'll be two, <laughs> two it'll be the West of wood people. For... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the dream. Uh, but yeah, thank you for uh, your wonderful pictures and for being the uh, the Bob Vila of uh, home renovation and podcasting. And as we said, this is this old podcast today, <laughs> starring Jane. Well, thank you. Uh, so we're really excited to play your game. As we said, uh, Jeff and myself will play together. Ken and Matt will play together. Any team name, Ken and Matt? We'll be the Miserable Losers. <laughs> That's really harsh. That's yeah, not... it's got. It's just getting to that point. <laughs> Big old losers over here. I think, Jeff, um, since we have Jane here and she's very accomplished, uh, why don't we be the podcasting brothers in honor of the property brothers? Okay. And since I'm very bad at manual labor, I will be the uh, the realtor person, brother. I but, see. I see you're both tucking your shirts in. We're both tucking yep. our shirts in. Uh, we're we're only, we're doing enough work on camera where it looks like we're working, but we're probably we're not. Mostly just pointing. <laughs> Neil's the handsome one, and I'm the other one. So <laughs> you do. Yeah, you you build everything, and I say, look what we built. <laughs> Um, or I love when uh, is that which the... one of you is dating Zoe Deschanel? Oh, that's a good question. I, they both I one of them's idea. married, so the other one they're identical. Okay. Um, all right, so we have our teams. Uh, but before we throw it to the rules guy, we had a quick email I wanted to reference here. Uh, thank you to the listener who sent this in, uh, who will remain nameless just uh, just for fun. But his uh, subject line read, "Thanks to you, I lost my sanity." And uh, basically, he wrote us an, an email that said he started listening to the show. It's helping him with pub trivia. Uh, and he heard that I mentioned that the rules guy was doing an Irish accent, but he couldn't hear the Irish accent. He he thought maybe uh, something was wrong with his ears. So he listened to the next episode and he heard that I said it was a Schwarzenegger uh, impression. And he said, well, I kind of heard it all Schwarzenegger, but I don't think it was really an impression. And then eventually uh, he realized that uh, it was a joke that uh, we've been uh, beating like a dead horse. Uh, and he appreciated that. So uh, it's a four-year joke. A four-year joke, and he put well-played, Sires, well-played. Uh, so yeah. in Ladies honor... and gentlemen, we got him. We got him. And uh, in honor of that email, thank you for sending it. Uh, we're going to do a, a rules read today, uh, speaking of Sires, by uh, the late Alan Rickman. So please enjoy it. Chris Hansen here. Triviality Podcast is two rounds of 20 questions worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there's a special swing round by this week's host. In the final round, players wager points they've earned for a chance to become the cream of the crop. Stand by, and I'll be watching. I am the cream. It's great rules, Reed. Well, it sounded like it was the on-time Chris Hansen. It it could have been. It sounds like if it, if Chris Hansen had played uh, the villain in Prince of Thieves starring Kevin Costner. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Uh, so Jane, um, feel free to uh, take over and and host this game. All right. So before I start, I want to give a shout out to Brian Yavis. He is my best buddy, and he's been my best trivia buddy. We back before the snap. You know, we used to go to pub trivia together and clean up. Mostly it was Brian. Um, but he helped me go over these questions and write some of them. And he's a big fan. Um, so I just wanted to give him a shout out. Well, thank you, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thank you, Brian. We saw him sign up to be a host and or contestant. So we'll have to have Brian on and, and uh, complete the circle. Without further ado, we'll get started. According to Ariana Grande, money can buy you happiness. Which iconic closet staple does she say costs the same? Roughly $695 at Saks Fifth Avenue. Japanese barbecue. Um, <laughs> or her tattoo. It's not that question. Now, I know the song, and I'm going through it in my head. And it's getting to right up to where she says the thing. And then my brain says, it starts playing the Wellerman 
sea shanty song. <laughs> I thought Matt was going to just say that he wanted, he bought it. So, all right, let's get a sample, Matt. So, no, <laughs> one, no. I believe that happiness is the same price as red bottoms, which are Louis Vuittons. Yeah, Louis Vuittons, you mean? Um, no, 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 no. I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Louis Vuittons, got it. Flashback to the to the live I'm episode not, here. I'm not asking for the designer. I'm just asking for the item. You guys? Yeah, we said shoes, yeah. <sighs> okay, so the answer is red bottoms, because in the lyrics it says red bottoms. Um, she says happiness is the same price as red bottoms. Okay. That's what I said, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It is what you said. Okay. Did you, you say like red shoes. bottoms? Shoes. No, I just said shoes. Oh my God, shoes. Shoes. Yeah. yeah. Happiness you, is the same you're price as You're taking points on shoes? I, I, wouldn't I, take, I wouldn't take the points because red bottoms are specifically Louboutins okay. and okay. Uh, we didn't say Louboutins. So. All right, we'll take 10 points. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to lose, Neil? I mean, Jane can disagree with me and give us points, but I was just trying to be cordial here. All right. Trucks, published in an issue of Cavalier Magazine, The Man Who Loved Flowers in an issue of Gallery Magazine, and I Know What You Need in an issue of Cosmopolitan. Which American author wrote this assortment of short stories? So Matt and I just texted each other the same thing, and uh, it was... um... His, not his name, but a descriptor of him, and uh, then we figured out his name, and we're locked in. Okay, so Jeff, um, the first person I thought of was um, Peter Benchley, who I think he wrote Jaws. He wrote some news articles, but um, American author who does magazine short stories. I know Stephen King does a ton of short stories, and the only reason I'm leaning towards Stephen King is I think the short story Trucks may have become Maximum Overdrive, the movie. Oh, mm, good thinking. I kind of like that. So that will be my guess. Okay, we'll go with Stephen King. And uh, we picked the person who developed my favorite Muppet Gonzo, Hunter S. Thompson. (laughs) And the answer is Stephen King. Well done. I think that was exactly right, the way you because I I, I I think he directed Maximum Overdrive, and I remember that the title was changed, so that's why I thought of that, but... Question three. Appearing in more than 80 Hindi films and having earned numerous accolades, including 14 Filmfare Awards, who is world-renowned as the king of Bollywood? I have no idea. I also have no idea. Okay, I can see the actor's face, but I cannot pull the name. So we are going to lock in uh, with the last name, Baramdi. And uh, I picked an actor who I know from American movies. I'm not 100% 100% sure that he's Indian, but I think he is. And I just picked uh, Irfan Khan, RIP. The answer is Shah Rukh Khan. I should have just done last oh. name. Oh, <laughs> no. I was thinking that if you would have just locked in with Khan, you would have gotten it. Oh, <laughs> that, yeah, I hate been. myself. <laughs> this is why we're the losers, Ken. <laughs> well, I'm very angry at myself for not just going last name, but uh, let's go to question four. Move on from it. <laughs> Okay, speaking of Bollywood, different styles of dance are known to be featured throughout the film industry. From which Indian state, known as the Land of Five Waters, does Bhangra originate? My, my favorite Bollywood is uh, their version of the Terminator. Uh, I can't remember the name of the movie. Bollywood really Star Wars is pretty great. That's the yes. good one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one. Oh, you think so? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. And we will lock in. All right, Jeff seems to have some idea of what a Indian state is. We know one, so uh, I could do a city. Maybe it's oh, named okay. after the city, so let's just say Bombay. And uh, we are going with Punjab. 
That is correct. It is Punjab. <sighs> well done. I also think that Bombay is not Bombay anymore. It's, it's Mumbai. Mumbai. It's Mumbai. Yeah, but, you know, maybe it's still... Maybe they st- kept it as a state know, yeah, who knows? for sentimental yeah, sure. reasons. Yeah. When, when you're taking an educated guess, you just you just guess. It's still a guess, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, true. What you can do. But as far as Punjab is concerned... I'll never forget. There's a there was a restaurant in Chicago called Share a Punjab, and my friend <laughs> called it while drunk. Do you want to share a Punjab? <laughs> Why? So shout out to Do you want to share a Punjab? Do you want to share a Punjab? <laughs> That's enough. Frozen three coming out. Soon. Yikes! Yeah. All right. Question five, please. Which element with the atomic number 34 was actually not named after an artist whose posthumous album release went 59 times platinum? Tupac, I was thinking, B.I.G. I was thinking about B.I.G., Tupac. Um, mm-hmm. Shakurium? I don't know what that I would be. What are like, other famous people who would have died and had like a huge album? Um, there's a lot. I just... Oh, is it... Uh, did Aaliyah have a huge album before she died? She had one. I mean, she... It's not aluminum. <laughs> it's a stretch. Yeah, I know. I know. Could be. She's the queen of the damned. Anything's possible. I just want to say Tupac. Sure. Well, we will go with the joke answer of uh, Tupacium. All right. I thought it was uh, Freddie Mercury due to that huge album that Queen released after his death. But uh, Matt says otherwise. And we're going with Matt's answer. Uh, Selenium for Mm. Selena. Points go to... You guys, it is selenium. Yeah, Mercury's like 80. It's pretty heavy. (laughs) This, her album sold so much on the first day that she became the third person to debut a posthumous album at number one following um, Janis Joplin and Jim Croce. Croce. I I don't know how to say that for sure. Um, But yes, so she's, this album sold so well and it's one of the, like the highest selling albums for posthumous artists of all time, and it never gets any love. Of course, it gets love from me. I'll talk to anybody about Selena whenever they feel like they need some information. I have it for them. Um, well, well yeah, done, so Matt. I'm, I'm pulling that answer. <laughs> but it's selenium. <laughs> all right. After five questions, it looks like uh, we're seeing perfect vision because it's 2020. <laughs> okay. Question six. Though you may know him from blockbusters such as Failure to Launch and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Matthew McConaughey has starred in two full-length animated feature films. For full points, name one of the movies, and for bonus, two points, name both of the movies. Neil and I are locked in. Well, let's be honest. It was uh, All right. Neil's been muttering something about a sequel in the works. Yeah, it's not out yet, but I'll, I'll mention it later. <laughs> so something that has a sequel coming. There was that Reign of Fire uh, Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, he in, is he in Coco? I don't think so. Man, I have no idea. I can't think of a single Matthew McConaughey. Animated thing? Was he in Fern Gully? <laughs> I don't old. think so. We're tearing down our forest. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, tone the Pixar version of Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> Poorly received. <laughs> Uh, that's, I don't know if I get there. I don't know. Uh, uh, let's tap. All right. So, um, the first one we locked in with, uh, when I was teaching theater, the kids used to watch this one all the time. Uh, we locked in with Sing. Uh, he's like the businessman in that movie. Uh, he's a koala, I think that wears a suit. Um, and then the, <laughs> the sequel I think comes out this year. So Sing 2. 
Um, and then for bonus, uh, I'm almost positive. It's a really great movie. I think he's in Kubo and the Two Strings. So we liked him with that too. Absolutely correct. It is Sing and Kubo and Two Strings. I was never getting there, so... No, I don't know. Like, what bad. is seeing? And I looked it up, and it it got a six hundred million dollar box office. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. It's like American Idol. I mean, I, I've I've seen Kubo, and I've heard of Sing, but I did. Who was he in Kubo? I don't know. I just know he's in it. All right. Question seven. Nudibranch is the formal name for what mollusk, also known as the jewel of the sea? Jeff, tell me what you know about mollusks. How about this? Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna lock in an answer. Um, oh my god, I can't think of the name now. I was, uh, I'm just gonna say it. What are the what's the food that you cook? That's a little white thing. Oysters. No, no, no. It's soft. It's like gummy. Um, you you fry it and then you put a little caramelization on the bottom. Um, yeah, you know how to cook things. They're really expensive. Uh, oh my god. This is killing me. Scallops. Scallops. Thank you. Scallops. <laughs> Let's just say scallops. Okay, fine. So mollusks are clams, mm-hmm. oysters, snails, snails, octopi. None of those seem very jewel-like. No. What about uh, like a gooey duck or a quahog Ooh. clam or something like that? You want to say gooey ducks? Yeah, fine. I like gooey ducks. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't know. I was just trying to come up with the name of the very expensive uh, fish things that can correctly uh, help me name as scallops. scallop, I'm going to be pissed. Scallops though. is what I'm I was gonna, thinking of. I'm going to be pissed at you. Uh, so we liked him with scallops, yeah. Unfortunately, no points hmm. around this time. Um, the answer is sea slug. Oh. Mm. So they don't actually look like land slugs, which are kind of gross looking these are actually multicolored, really beautiful sea creatures that i learned about in a children's book when i was doing fourth grade homework last week (laughs) all right moving on to question eight miter zucchetto camaro and capello romano are all types of which item bonus points if you can tell me the specific type of item you said miter danny zuko Capello, Romano, <laughs> and one other one. All right. So when I think of Camaro, I think of Z28s. Uh, when I think of Zucchetto, as I said, I think of uh, the T-Birds, Danny Zuko. Yep. Lighters, um, I only know about joinery. So um, so we initially said cheese, but that could be a trap because Romano makes me think of cheese, right? It does, yes. Um, but that probably just means like it's from Rome or something. Do you think it's a possible... It's, do you, oh my god do you think it's a possible i don't know why i did that subconscious um do you think it could be like some sort of metal like a uh, a camaro metal or capello romano metal dude i i'd rather go with cheese okay fine well we'll lock in as the french say fromage okay we are circling back around to the carpentry and saying they're saws because we know miter saw is mm. a saw unfortunately no points oh. either this time no. <laughs> these are all hats uh, headgear and more specifically religious headgear or people yeah. hats. Okay. Oh, okay. We should have known because of Urza's miter, the magic card. Yes. Well, do you have a lot of saws, Jane? <laughs> I have about six of them. Oh, wow. That's a lot of saws. Yeah. For different the answer yeah, is for yes. Different things. But yes. That's, well, <laughs> that's, is that a lot? I mean, when I go to home the average person, like I don't think them. it's a lot. I have <laughs> I have two Japanese flush cut saws. Just oh, flesh okay. cut saws. Keep your personal <laughs> life separate, Jeff. We don't need to. 
<laughs> Jeff and his flesh flesh got saw. Two Japanese flesh cut saws <laughs> on loan from uh, Takeshi Mika. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. Oh, goodness. It's a Sunday. Okay. Can we? True. Can we not? All mm. right. Moving on to question nine. Announced in January 2020, the Mercedes-Benz Vision AVTR is a concept car inspired by the film Avatar and lacks something that most other vehicles have. What is this item? I'm thinking of, I don't know if it was a Mercedes-Benz, but they were, they had a concept car that people have been uh, using as a meme where they put the Apple logo on it. I don't know if that was a Mercedes-Benz. It's possible. Yeah. I'll go with my gut, even though I'm not very confident. Okay. You're the car guy. Okay, Matt. You think maybe it's like a self-driving car without a steering wheel or? Yeah, that seems possible, um, especially if it's just a concept. Because uh, I know that they've been testing out a lot of uh, self-driving, but that's usually, that's more Tesla, which is why I was kind of not sure there. But we can we can lock in with steering wheel. Okay. Uh, we took a guess that it has no windows. So points to miserable losers. It is steering wheel. Hmm. About time we got back on track. <laughs> All right, let's All right. finish the round off strong. I want a here. train, but it's a car. Give us a good one, Jane. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question 10. The last attempted by Joey Sly of the Carolina Panthers in 2019, which very rare rule was last successfully exploited in 1976 by Ray Wershing of the San Diego Chargers? Okay, we can we can lock in then. So we both think it's maybe a kicker, kicker-related? Yeah, I believe Joey Sly is a kicker. I just don't know if it's like... I, I don't think this is a rule where you can, on kickoff, you can kick it through the uprights and you get points. I don't think that works. And uh, as far as punting is concerned, I really don't know what would have not been done since 1976. So did I, I mean, did the place kicker, like, can they take a direct snap? Or, like, um, did they fake and then throw a touchdown? Or... Uh, Maybe it's a drop, a drop punt, but people do that all the time. A drop oh, wait, kick. Can you can you drop kick a field goal? Oh, maybe. Maybe I, I think you legally can as long as it touches the ground. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. All right, we'll we'll say drop drop, drop kick, kick a, a field goal. Okay. Um. So the actual the rule is, if you if you make a fair catch, you can get a free kick from where you caught the ball, um, and it's not used often because usually you're not fair catching the ball uh you know on the other side of the field so i think that's the answer i'd say it's called like a fair catch kick is what i think the rule is it is indeed the fair catch kick Mm -hmm. that is precisely how it works i think that people don't go for it very often because punts are usually pretty far downfield and it's unlikely to actually get any points off of it but sometimes it works out yeah i knew it i knew it all along Ken had it written all, down All there. thanks to me on that one. <laughs> and thanks to me, the miserable losers are in the lead, uh, 40 to 32. Okay, so this is a very, this is where the lack of seriousness, I think, comes into this whole game Oh, now, today. It's, co- now it's coming in, you're this saying? Is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, yeah, this is it. We've arrived. Um, so I, myself and Brian came up with a before and after type swing round but it's actually before during and after so there's three components that you'll need to put together to form the answer they may or may not be in the correct order so you have to find the right clue and then put it in the right order to make everything work out okay 
sitcom starring Betty White as a Polish caretaker ends with the NFL's second 0-16 team appropriately admitting, well, nobody's perfect. Number two, Jessica Alba and Paul Walker get released from prison and save an orphanage as documented by these fairy tale writers. Number three, Jiminy Cricket's overplayed song about the flag of Israel as developed by Mr. Mycover and Uriah Heep. Number four, actress who plays Princess Poppy gets a little love from the youngest NFL MVP of all time. Number five, the 2011 album Torches gives us a hit song about the rock Dwayne Johnson performing his signature move on an off-flambe dessert that originated from New Orleans. Number six, the writers of the show TGS with Tracy Jordan attempt to track down and punish Osama bin Laden for his responsibility in dropping the world's temperature to negative 460 degrees Fahrenheit. Number seven, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer manages Dr. Light and Dr. Wiley to a soccer victory in Fujairah, Ras al-Khaimah, and five other places. Number nine, C.M. Coolidge series of paintings that feature Mr. Pink, Mr. White, and Mr. Orange engaging in gambling and Lady Gaga karaoke. Number nine, Say So Singer runs 2016 independent presidential campaign alongside tattoo artist turned makeup mogul. Number 10, a novel about a guy who, despite conquering much of Asia Minor and the Levant, cannot get over his ex being married to an arrogant millionaire and turns to cocktails featuring cognac, creme de cacao, and heavy cream to numb his pain. And before we cut away, um, we just want to say that we're going to go ahead and put all these uh, questions in the show notes so you can go over it yourself before you go crazy trying to pause the podcast. Um, and, uh, before we cut away, we also want to talk about Patreon. Yeah. We're super excited to say that, uh, we've passed 350 patrons, which is pretty crazy. Our goal for 2021 is to hit 500 patrons. So if you'd like to join Jane in helping support the show and helping us grow, you can go to patreon.com slash triviality podcast for hours and hours of bonus content, as well as some great perks through the mail. So if you'd like to join Jane and help us continue to grow, go to patreon.com slash triviality podcast. And we'll be thinking about these questions, and we'll be right back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. 
So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All the answers are now in. So let's hear the, uh, the plays on words one more time and see how we did. All right. For question one, sitcom starring Betty White as a Polish caretaker ends with the NFL second zero and 16 team appropriately admitting, well, nobody's perfect. All right. Uh, starting off with this one. We think that's a quote from some like it hot in Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Famous uh, last line from that movie. We went with some like it hot in Cleveland Browns. Points all around. It is some like it hot in Cleveland Browns. Good job. Question two. Jessica Alba and Paul Walker get released from prison and save an orphanage as documented by these fairy tale writers. All right, Matt unlocked this one. So why don't you take it? Uh, yeah, I uh, believe that they're in a movie together called Into the Blue. Um, we got the orphanage angle with the Blues Brothers and then we got Brothers Grimm. So Into the Blues Brothers Grimm. And we concur. Into the Blues Brothers Grimm. Into the Blues Brothers Grimm. Great job. Mouthful. <laughs> Question three, Jiminy Cricket's overplayed song about the flag of Israel as developed by Mr. Micawber and Uriah Heep. Yeah, we hit a wall on this one. Um, first two parts are When You Wish Upon a Star of David, and then we guessed Bowie. Uh, we were there uh, with you. We had When You Wish Upon a Star of David. I remember Uriah Heep was uh, a Dickens character. I couldn't remember what Dickens, and then I thought of the only one that uh, sounded had David, and we said uh, David Copperfield. So When You Wish Upon a Star of David Copperfield. Yep, and the fake property brothers have it. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast brothers. Mm -hmm. Okay, question four. Actress who plays Princess Poppy gets a little love from the youngest NFL MVP of all time. Uh, yeah, this was a tough one because I got stuck on Patrick Mahomes, and then I realized that actually Lamar Jackson was the youngest MVP, which opened up Kendrick Lamar, and then we got Anna Kendrick Lamar Jackson. Yes, that is one hell of a name. We said Anna Kendrick Lamar Jackson. It is Anna Kendrick Lamar Jackson. Princess Poppy is from Trolls. Mm. Yep. In case there was any debate there, I've right watched away. that movie 372 <laughs> times in the last two weeks. Neil so is a I sick am man. In fact, we had Anna Kendrick before any of the other parts. <laughs> yeah, I, I've watched Trolls a million times with our niece Aria, so I had to know that one for sure. Okay, question five. The 2011 album Torches gives us a hit song about The Rock performing his signature move on an off-flambé dessert that originated from New Orleans. Yep. Uh, we slowly locked into this one as Bananas Foster the People's Elbow. Yeah, this one was funny. Um, we knew People's Elbow. We couldn't figure out who had the album Torches. And I said, is there a band with the people or elbow in it? Jeff said, Foster the People. And then we remembered Bananas Foster is from New Orleans. Absolutely. The correct answer is Bananas Foster the People's Elbow. We had it the other way where I was like, that's Foster the People. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You, you probably knew that right away. Yeah, I just yeah. forgot the name of that album. I love that album. I just forgot yeah. the name. Question six, the writers of the show TGS with Tracy Jordan attempt to track down and punish Osama bin Laden for his responsibility in dropping the world's temperature to negative 460 degrees Fahrenheit. We're saying that's absolute zero dark 30 rock. Yep. Pretty pleased that was the first one I clued into. We said absolute zero dark 30 rock. It is absolute zero dark 30 rock. Great job. Number seven. Old Gunner Sloshar manages Dr. Light and Dr. Wiley to a soccer victory in Fujairah, Ras al-Khaimah, and five other places. Uh, 
This one we had Mega Man first, uh, thinking about soccer teams. We're looking at Manchester United, and that flows right into United Arab Emirates. So Mega Man, Chester United, Arab Emirates. Oh, wow. Uh, we didn't know. We locked in with Joe Piscopo. <laughs> <laughs> it is Mega Manchester United Arab Emirates. Great job. Number eight. CM Coolidge series of paintings that features Mr. Pink, Mr. White, Mr. Orange engaging in gambling and Lady Gaga karaoke. Yeah, we slowly figured this one out to our great satisfaction at the end. Uh, we went with Reservoir Dogs playing p -p -p Poker Face. <laughs> this one was a lot of fun because it took us forever, but once it clicked, it was it was so exciting. Uh, we went with the same. <laughs> it is Reservoir Dogs playing Poker Face. And number nine... Say So Singer runs a 2016 independent presidential campaign run alongside tattoo artist turned makeup mogul. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, this is so uh, we got Kat Von D pretty quickly. Uh, and I remembered that Doja Cat is a person that exists. So we assumed it's <laughs> that. And then we just could not come up with an independent that worked with the clue. So I thought maybe D Snyder ran. So we said Doja Cat Von D Snyder. This one was really tough. I got Doja Cat uh, from TikTok because I'm on TikTok and I knew Kat Von D, but we could not for the life of us think of a 2016 independent presidential person. So we didn't have a third answer. So we, we have to tap. Okay. So you guys almost had it. Um, it is Doja Cat Von D. And the presidential campaign run was from a 15-year-old Iowan boy named D's Nuts. Oh. Who ran for president? I feel less bad now. Uh, got him. <laughs> okay, and question 10 to end the swing round. Novel about a guy who, despite conquering much of Asia Minor and the Levant, cannot get over his ex being married to an arrogant millionaire and turns to cocktails featuring cognac, creme de cacao, and heavy cream to numb his pain. All right, we said. Brandy Alexander the Great Gatsby. Uh, we did the same. Brandy Alexander the Great Gatsby. You guys got Brandy Alexander. What the hell? <laughs> he got it. <laughs> All right. After the swing round, uh, both teams pretty good. Each got eight right, so uh, 40 points added to the scores each. And that brings us to 80 and the, the podcast bros to uh, 72. All right. To kick off the second round, this is where I think the meets a little bit of knowledge comes in hand. Okay, question one. Spanning 230 feet wide, the Darvaza gas crater has been on fire for the last 40 years and is endearingly referred to as the gates of hell by locals of which country? Looks like our guts are in the same place because we're brothers, so let's go with that answer. Oh, I thought we transcended material space. All right, Darvaza. Um, so with the spelling of it, with the Z in there, makes me think it's either... Eastern European, somewhere in that Balkans region. Mm -hmm. So like a Turkey or... Um, Does that have a lot of volcanic sort of activity? I don't think so. So it may be, maybe uh, not Greece, right? But Oh, you know what? I think it might be that. It might be Greece? Yeah, because there's all this mytho uh, mythological stuff that kind of mm -hmm. factors into that. I think that's actually... Literally, where in mythology they thought hell, the entrance of hell was. Okay. So let's okay. say Greece. And we think this is the result of some really terrible former Soviet planning or something like that. We guessed Russia. 
Very close, but unfortunately no points to either team. It is in Turkmenistan. Uh, mm. That would have tragically been my sixth guess after Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. <laughs> Tough <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> wow. Question two. I'm thinking of two musicals. The first of which is a modern telling of the pop star wives of Henry VIII, and the second is a Tony Award-winning musical based on a film by Federico Fellini. What are these musicals called? Yeah, we're good. So <laughs> six is the the Henry VIII musical that I can't hear enough about. Mm-hmm. Neil, would you like to hear more? And Kellen, <laughs> and Emily, um, and the uh, the. Poorly received uh, Daniel Day-Lewis vehicle was called nine based on eight and a half. So six and nine. Nice. nice. Yes, uh, we also locked in with six and nine. Points to everyone. It is six and nine. Nice question. <laughs> <laughs> question three. Recently adapted into trendy wall art, which types of baskets are named for an ethnic group in Southern Africa and not, as you might expect, a Pacific Island nation? I was just shopping for baskets. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) He's a man who owns two fake plants, Ken. Yeah, that's right. He's a classy man now. He's got a real bed and a sun sunlight and he's got running water and and (laughs) a stove. Maybe a sofa back there. Yeah, it's, it's in there. A chair or two? I'm sitting on one. Plates? Even? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. They're paper. <laughs> He's not just eating off of old pizza boxes anymore. <laughs> so what we're trying to say is if what you want to question? be shown a good time. I was just trying to look at the um, island nation as like a way to clue into what it actually is, but... Right. I, I don't think I'm going to get there. I wrote down some Island Nation. Well, my thought was on macrame baskets. Um, um, I don't know how that... Micronesia? Oh, yeah. Macrone. I like that. Um, macrone. How do you feel about that? That's like that like fancy woven crap that people liked in the 70s. I bet you that's back. Right. And stuff you would not find. Oh, enough. it's so back. And you won't find it in a I have thrift macrame shop. table runner. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. That's pretty. Um, yeah. After he calls crap. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, uh, my great. my sense of style, Jane, you must understand, is I would like a white room, and that's it. <laughs> and a straight jacket and some padding. You know? <laughs> no, that's uh, what we would like. I want something to be surgical, sterile looking. Um, on that note, yeah, we'll we'll lock in with macrone. Is that with what you're saying? What? Macrome. Macro macrome. 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 Sorry. All right, we're just gonna say Indo for Indonesia because we don't know. So no points here. Um, what you are talking about is macrame. Oh, macrame. So, yeah, macrame, um, not macrome. But the island nation and uh, ethnic group in the south of Africa, but not South Africa, is Tonga. Oh. Mm. I've never heard so of a if, Tonga basket. If you're on any of these sites, you'll see people with just like baskets arranged in some sort of pattern. And they're just calling them boho wall baskets now, which is kind of of annoying but the actual term is tonga baskets moving on to question four known for the 1832 war he fought against white settlers what warrior gave his name to the military division where frederick mclaughlin commanded a battalion locked in blackhawk helicopters what the hell's the the, um the pair jumpers don't they go by like screaming eagles i 
Can you think of any famous Native American war chiefs? I can. I just, I, they're not coming to my head right now. I mean, I know, I, I feel like I know this answer. I just, I'm not coming up with it, if that makes sense. Um, That's why I was just going with the easy, like, Black Hawk, Screaming Eagle, um, uh, Tom, uh, Tomahawk? No, those are missiles. Um, I, I don't know. We agonized over this one, but uh, due to Ken locking in so fast, we thought uh, with the helicopters being named Blackhawks, perhaps it's Blackhawks. That's what we locked in with. And being a fan of the Chicago Blackhawks and also a proponent of not naming your teams after Native American figures, I know distinctly where the team name came from, and that is it. Absolutely. I was hoping that being a Chicago-based podcast, you guys would not have a hard time figuring out that it was Blackhawk. So we were just overthinking it. Then. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And I would not be mad if they changed their name and or logo. To the Chicago hockey team. <laughs> well, that's basically what the Canadians are. I think I think they should just buy that that Hawk logo that we've seen on the internet. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Off of the like Pee right. team. It's like, here, we'll build, build you a new facility. Give us the logo. Everybody wins. So moving on. Question the fifth. <laughs> The first appearance of the Bowl Championship Series national title game was in what year? Two bonus points if you can name the specific bowl game and the sponsor. Okay. Are you locked in? Yeah. The I BCS would... Championship is not that old. I was going to say, yeah, it's not that old. I, my gut says like 2011. <laughs> oh, that recent. Yeah, well, so um, Nick Saban just won his seventh overall title and he wins like every other year and i think five of those or four of those are bcs and then urban myers won two or three with ohio state no urban meyer won i just saw rich eisen he won two with florida 06 and 08 and he won one with ohio state 2011 but in 06 was that the bcs championship because that oh. was when they went to the era of um like the playoffs with the voting oh, okay and i think that was much more recent I want to say it was. it's only like nine, ten years old. Okay. Uh, that's fine with me then. And who would have sponsored the first one? Who knows? I, college football confuses me. They keep changing their rules, so I, I don't know. Yeah, so I think what you guys were talking about was the playoff system, which is definitely that new or newer. The actual BCS goes back, I think, to 1998, um, and it would rotate between different bowl games. But the first one, I believe, was the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl, and I believe it was played between Tennessee and uh, Nebraska, but I might be wrong there. But I believe that's mostly right. Yeah, we were think, definitely thinking of the, the modern BCS era, so we said 2011, and uh, didn't we also go Tostitos? We did. So the answer I have written down here is 1999 Fiesta Bowl, but now so Matt was, has me questioning my my research. It would have been the, 98 the 98 season. season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it was in 1999. Would be. Yes, that is that is the information, so... I mean, that sounds like points. Yeah, just get, Matt knows. Matt at least sounds confident. So just give him the points. And this is question six. If you've watched the Netflix documentary, The History of Swear Words, you would know that The Wolf of Wall Street clocks in as the film with the highest number of expletives with 715. Which film holds the title for second place, whose lead actor swore 295 times? Man, I just watched this, but I was very sleepy while I did. Surprisingly, I don't think it's bigger, longer, uncut. All right. So after some difficulty at trying to recall what I learned on this show, um, we're locked in. 
this program looks really interesting. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, Jeff... It's uh, medium interesting. Medium interesting. Uh, the Nick Cage is funny. I was initially thinking Casino. That one used to have a record. I, I'm sure it's been far exceeded um, since. Could be. Um, so I thought it's Casino. Um, Superbad has a lot. Um, at least Jonah Hill's character in that movie, he swears a ton. Um, maybe it's not, it's got to be something more recent because I feel like they've uh, ratcheted up the swearing. So I, I just can't think of a movie. Yeah, it's what, 17 F-bombs you can get away with now in PG-13? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. You just want to go. I mean, Casino's a boring answer. It's probably wrong, but. Yeah, like, okay. I'm okay with Casino. All right. We did float the idea of Casino. The one thing I recall from that uh, show is that Jonah Hill has the top spot of swearing all time, surprisingly. Hmm. Um, so Wolf of Wall Street is a, uh, a big portion of that, but we thought maybe he has the number two spot with super bad as well. So no points here. Um, I thought that you were getting close when you said bigger, longer, and uncut because the movie is Uncut Gems. Wow. No way. So you are so close. Mm. So actually, and it's funny because because oh, of the shit, Wolf gonna... of Wall <laughs> Because of Wolf of Wall Street, Leonardo DiCaprio is in second place for expletives. Then Samuel L. Jackson, who most people would assume is probably at the top spot. Um, yeah, Adam Sandler swore 295 times in this film. And I think this was the film where he said if he wasn't nominated for an Oscar, he was going to then make the worst movie possible that he could ever Hubie come Halloween. up with. Yep. Hubie <laughs> Halloween, Jack and Jill too. <laughs> I'm going to be like Howard on the podcast now. And instead of Ken Garnett, I'm going to talk to Ken and go, hey, KP, KP. <laughs> Hey, take a look at this over here. Don't leave. Don't leave, KP. Question number seven. Causing legal controversy due to its similarity to a 1949 Perez Prado instrumental, what German musician's 1999 hit did Sting's brand new day beat to win the Grammy for best male pop vocal performance of the year? One more time, please. <clears throat> okay. I'll say it like a white person. <laughs> no, no. That wasn't the problem at all. Got it. Okay. Perez. <laughs> I, got, uh, I got it. I got it. Got quick it? Googling. No Googling. I'm texting, <laughs> I'm texting to, to Matt. No. Yes. Yes. 100%. Uh, I can't think of any German musicians from 99. I think Blue Dabo D, they were French. Eiffel. Eiffel 65. Yeah, I think that's correct. Oh, that wait. was also earlier. That was like 97. Wait, were they German, but they did a song called Eiffel 65, even though they're not French? It could be. I saw a video on TikTok and I can't remember it now. Someone was making <laughs> fun of it. It might be them. It might be, but they wouldn't have best song of the year. They could. I mean, that song was everywhere. I'm just trying to think of what annoyed me in 1999. For lack of better judgment, uh, we're going to lock in with uh, perennial favorites, Eiffel 65. All right, guys. I'm surprised that Jeff didn't get this one because we know he likes to make love to this song <laughs> and it starts very subtly like this. <laughs> Wow. He's German. It is Mambo number five and Lou Bega. Look, let me tell you, the answer is Lou Bega. And up until two days ago, I had lived my life thinking that Lou Bega was a proud Cuban man. Okay. There was not, this information was the most mind blowing thing I have ever seen in my life. You're telling us that the man who created Mambo number five is, is Ludwig Bega? <laughs> 
his name is David Lubega, and he is a German recording artist. He was know. born in uh, Munich though. at the time, West Germany. Wow. And, yeah, and it lists his genres as pop, Latin hip hop, Latin pop, and ska. And mama. Oh, I think yeah. that completes all the Lou Bega knowledge we'll ever need, so no need to ask any more questions about Mambo number five. So thank you. Question number eight. From the Greek roots meaning to hide and to conceal, what name is given to the collection of books which were removed from what is considered biblical canon over disputes of authenticity? Okay. So Codex uh, from Assassin's Creed. Uh Obscura is a word that comes to mind. You said Codex is from Assassin's Creed? Yeah. We can lock in with that one. <laughs> um, and we think that these were where we get the word apocryphal, or they're related to being apocryphal. So we set up the apocrypha. It is the apocrypha. Hmm. Ah. Apocrypha be on your household, Jeff. <laughs> so question number nine. Despite a misconception that each color represents a different fruit, a Fruit Loops spokesperson has maintained that there is only one singular flavor for the cereal. What is the official flavor of Fruit Loops? Cardboard. Sugar. <laughs> Matt, do you know? Uh, no, do you? I, well, I know what Fruit Loops tastes like, but I wouldn't identify it with any one fruit. Cardboard and sugar. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're locked in. I'm picking, I'm picking a fruit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think of those, honestly, pumpkin's the most agreed. Just because everything pumpkin flavored is actually just like cinnamon and nutmeg. Yeah, I haven't had them in forever, but I don't like a citrus, apple, banana. I was trying to think what's like the blandest fruit out of all of those. Like apple would have the least yeah. flavor as compared to mm -hmm. like apple slander. No, as compared to like any of the berries. You know what? I I don't mind apple because there are apple jacks, so maybe it was like a milder version of an apple. Those to do compete. taste like apple. I guess. So you want to go apple? That's their tagline. Sure. All right. We're okay. like we're locking in with Apple. All right, let's go uh mango. We don't know. So this spokesperson has maintained that the flavor of Fruit Loops is in fact fruit flavored, spelled F R O O T. Oh my god. Come on, Jane. <laughs> that is exactly as dumb as we should have expected it to be. Fruit flavored. <laughs> For a cereal company. <laughs> well, I have a fruit tree in my backyard. Why did so we overthink I should have known that? that. Question 10. Known by various Aboriginal groups such as Kajura, Borlung, and Wanamangura, among other names, how is this creator deity most commonly referenced in English? We're looking for the... We're going to go ahead and lock in here. Uh, we don't know. This is tough, but uh, just a guess. Okay, so the first like creator deity that comes to mind, don't know why, is Ahura Mazda. But that was Zoroastrianism. What's that? It was like a... Middle East Persian religion. It was like the first monotheistic religion that came about before Christianity. All I'll say is when we were in Australia or when I was there and then I know you went after me, but they there there was a fascination with um, snakes of some sort. And I don't remember why. There's like a painting of a snake and I don't know what it's called, but I, I have a feeling that's what it is, but I, I cannot tell you what it's called. But the one eating its own tail? I don't know, but if we can just go with your Mayan idea, but I think it's I think it's like a, a deity that's like long and if they paint it, I, I can't remember. But well, the, if I think about Mayans, I can only think about the like the destruction one. I think that's like Quetzalcoatl or something like that. Yeah, that's it's correct. Like the snake yeah. god. 
yeah. thing. That's like a snake with wing things. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's fine. Whatever you want to go with is good because I can't come with that. We'll come go up. with Ahura Mazda. And we just guessed Gaia because we have no idea. <laughs> the uh, So the correct answer is the rainbow serpent or snake. Mm, you were close. I was close. No. I knew it was something to do with a snake. Yeah. Okay, at the end of regulation, looks like the miserable losers are actually winning right now with 120, followed by the uh, podcast bros at 102. So still close. But let's uh, let's hear the final category and see what happens. All right, your final category names are one unlucky name, superheroes, Doctor Who, literary cats, and the Crown. Okay, our wagers are now in, so let's get the questions and hope for luck. All right. In the category of one unlucky name, the writings left behind after his apparent suicide and a massive fire which broke out on a ship named for him are some of the more unfortunate events which define the legacy of which first Secretary of Defense? In the category superheroes, since 2015, the tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir have chronicled the lives of two teens with secret identities in which TV show airing on both Disney and Netflix? In Doctor Who, which phenomenon named for the Doctor Who discovered it is described best exemplified in pop culture as the mismatch between the name of a color and the color in which it's printed? Literary Cats. Ginger is a four-legged member of the Triumvirate known for wreaking havoc and causing civil war in the last installment of which famed series of children's books. And finally, in The Crown, Hassanal Bolkaya, who also serves as the prime minister of an absolute monarchy, is the longest reigning monarch after Queen Elizabeth II. He is among the richest men in the world, and he lives in the world's largest residential palace, the Astana Nurul Iman, with nearly 1,800 rooms. Over which country does he rule? Okay, we will think about these answers and we'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. All the answers are now in, so uh, let's see how we did. Hopefully we can pull out a victory today, Matt. Mm, Not looking good. (laughs) Well, we'll see. So, in the category of one unlucky name, 
the writings left behind after his apparent suicide and a massive fire which broke out on a ship named for him are some of the more unfortunate events which define the legacy of which first secretary of defense. Yeah, we didn't have much to go on here, so we just picked one of those guys in Hamilton and said Lafayette. And we had wagered 15 on this question. Yes. We wagered five. Uh, we were just debating when the first Secretary of Defense was instated. We didn't think it was something that started uh, in the beginning, but uh, we couldn't come up with a good answer. So we just went with uh, Roosevelt. So this is actually James Forrestal. He was appointed by President Harry Truman and then forced to resign by Harry Truman and had some... I guess, mental deterioration. And, and he was up at the, uh, like, I think what's now Walter Reed Hospital in Bethesda. And they think that he jumped out of a window. Okay. But of course, there's, you know, some some high up government conspiracy theory that he actually was not, he actually didn't commit suicide and maybe something else happened. But And then there's a, the ship was the USS Forrestal. It was the first, the world's first supercarrier um, predating the Nimitz class carrier, which is what I was on, and um, a massive fire broke out on it and took the lives of a lot of people. It's crazy. Oof. Yeah, yeah. So very unlucky name, Forrestal. <laughs> Sorry to bring everybody down. No, okay. <laughs> okay. And the category is superheroes. Since 2015, the tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir have chronicled the lives of two teens with secret identities. In which TV show airing on both Disney and Netflix? So this one I'm not 100% sure on by any means, but I think it might be Cloak and Dagger, and we wagered 30. That's a good, good guess. Uh, we wagered 10 on this one. Um, I don't think we came up with the right answer. I've seen a few of the uh, kids' superhero shows, and I don't think any of the ones I know would be the correct answer. But, Jeff, uh, our answer is? Uh, we jokingly guessed She-Ra. So this is a... this. This show is a French show, but it is taped in, uh, at least we get it in English, and it's called Miraculous, the Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir. Uh, mm. yeah. we're, we're I have been waiting for the next season ourselves. of this show to come out. It is really good. My favorite so. uh, animated French um, kid show no, is, uh, don't do it. is Miraculous, <laughs> the Tales of Dracar Noir. Mm. <laughs> Smells like my dad. <laughs> don't Smells do like it. everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and in Doctor Who, which phenomenon named for the Doctor Who discovered it is best exemplified in pop culture as the mismatch between the name of a color and the color in which it's printed? Uh, we had no idea on this one, so in honor of Bob Ross, for minus ten points, we said Ross. Yeah, we. Uh, I thought this was maybe a Doctor Who question. Shame on us. We wagered twenty points. Um, and despite the fact that I've sat for hours trying to read colors out loud that are mismatched just to prove that I can, um, I have no idea who did this effect. But uh, we said Dr. Paisley. So this is Dr. Stroop, and it's called the Stroop Effect. Um, ironically, they give, this to, they give this test to divers who come back to the surface as a way to measure their levels of consciousness, which I think is strange because even on my best day, I don't even think that I could excel <laughs> at this <laughs> test. <laughs> so, And literary cats. Ginger is a four-legged member of the triumvirate known for wreaking havoc and causing civil war in the last installment of which famed children's book series? 
Uh, yeah, we wagered 15 on this one. I think it's one that I actually know. Uh, we said Narnia. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, we wagered zero uh, on this because Jeff and I are both very, very allergic to cats, and we just figured it wouldn't help us at all. Um, and uh, we didn't have an answer, so we just locked in with uh, The Legend of Nim. It is The Chronicles of Narnia. What? Right. Chronic what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it very well may come down to this last question. In The Crown, Hassanal Bokaya, who also serves as the prime minister of an absolute monarchy, is the longest reigning monarch after Queen Elizabeth II. Over which country does he rule? We had to uh, absolutely guess this one, uh, and we said Cotter. For 10 points. For 10 points. Um, I, I believe you're onto the right track, but um, when we think of absolute monarchies and places that would have ostentatious show of wealth, like 18,000 rooms, um, Neil and I both thought it was Brunei, so we went with Brunei. The correct answer is Brunei. Well done. <sighs> The only reason I gave I gave that answer to Jeff is because I think I've said it on a previous episode. Uh, I used to love that he had a Jaguar XJ220, and that's what I wanted when I was in Kermit. Yeah, I mean, he's famous for, like, ostentatious shows of wealth, so. And how many points on that one? Uh, 20. 20. Oh, man. All right, and due to a bad final round, once again, we are defeated, Matt. We are the miserable losers after all. We got <laughs> 70 points, and the, uh, the podcast brothers came out victorious, 87. But you know what? We had we had the lead on him going into the final round, so I thought you had us. I don't think we're bad at trivia. I think we're just bad in the final round. Matt, Maybe you're you bad say? at betting. I mean, half the time we come in ahead of them in the final round, and then we lose mm-hmm. it. So that's because Matt well, yeah, is. It's, it's like um, uncut gems. You know, we place some big wagers, and then they. Whoa! Spoilers. <laughs> Anyways, you guys are the cream of the crop. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter. I'm better than you are. Yeah. Well, look, we we love the competition. This was a very close game. Jeff and I both thought we lost the game in the final round there with the uh, the wagers. But this is what I I'll say. We love the camaraderie. We're gonna have a uh, a hammer and a sledgehammer and other types of hammers. We're gonna invite you to a demolition, and Jane will is also invited. And we're just gonna flip a house because that's what we do. <laughs> All right. Can I live in it after you're done? I I don't see why not. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Uh, thanks again, Jane, for uh, for hosting this excellent game. Thanks for having me. It was uh, it was an it was a brutal like grudge match. It was brutal. Um, Slugfest in all the best possible ways. Any shout outs, Jane? I know uh, Brian helped you out. We're gonna have to have him on the show in the future. Yeah. Um. Can't shout out to Brian enough. And just um shouting out my my online trivia group no better social distancing than the atlantic ocean um they they are there are now so many people in this group that i can't name everybody um but they have been so great in letting me vent about everything going on in my life when we do trivia and answering a question a time or two um and just generally being great people um i can't say enough good things about them they're amazing so shout out to them and um yeah and i think that's that's that well i think those were great words and just to echo what you're saying i think one thing uh trivia does for everyone especially during this last year of the pandemic uh is uh opens us up to many different great people uh and great attitudes so thank you for everyone in our own community for helping us out grow and and become the show we are now especially on patreon and with all your support there monetarily but also as jane said with uh with great attitudes and uh, a great outlook on life so thank you everyone for that well and hopefully our show brought you a little bit of light in 2020 so 
and hopefully more in 2021. Yeah. So thank you very much to everyone. Thank you very much to Jane for that game. It was awesome. It was a very close match uh, for Matt, Jane, Jeff, Ken, and myself. My name is Neil, and that was Triviality. I, li- I like the intro. I don't mind it. So that I will possess your heart. Yeah. So you so you mind the the long intro to I'll possess your heart, but you don't mind the long outro to transatlanticism. No, I skipped that too. Are I don't you like kidding long me? Anything? Oh man, I, I got I only got three minutes to listen to a song. Have some it's patience, not, Matt. Damn it. I don't like long anything. <laughs> that's a quote. That's why I only listen to no effect. That that's why that's why he cuts the ends off his his hot dogs. <laughs>